Hang on, it's going to be a fairly packed season of F1 next year. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel to wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! And new design of cars as well. So it's like a double double header of excitement. There. Absolutely. Christmas has truly come early when it comes to 2022. And we have a full house of voices this time around. Angus has returned on what is our 50th episode in total when it comes to F1 in review. So thank you very much, Angus, for joining us. And um, yeah, we're all back. A full house of four. And what better time to talk about the 2022 calendar released a few days ago. A record-breaking 23 Grand Prix are lined up. COVID-dependent, of course. Starting in Bahrain on March the 20th. Finishing in Abu Dhabi on November the 20th. Then we're going to see Miami in there. So two races in the United States. And China will not be on there owing to the COVID restrictions in there. But they will be restored in due course, we're told, the season after that. And hopefully after that, as I say, COVID dependent. And all things well, we'll see Canada, Singapore and uh, Saudi Arabia continue to be in the calendar come next year. After so much cancellation when it came to last season and the season before but what are your guys' thoughts? What do you think about the uh, new calendar that's been released for next year and um, the fact we're having so much racing next year as well? I'm just looking at the calendar and uh, that's going to, well, we got we got our work cut out um, next year to, to cover all that. And it's going to be exciting for us from um, our podcast perspective as well, because our season will extend slightly longer than that. Let's not forget testing is on the 10th to the 12th of March in Bahrain. So we're looking at starting, you know, sort of 10 days before that in, in the, till the 10th of March and then ending the 20th of November. That's a long, long season. And it, as you say, it's absolutely packed to the rafters. It, it, it kind of surprises me in places just from a high level view of the of the calendar so far. It seems a bit bizarre how we're sort of going between um, places quite a lot. Um, it, it doesn't quite make sense to me that they've just bunged Miami in, um, in uh, on the 8th of May, um, which is sandwiched between Imola and Barcelona. So that's, you know, that's sensible, I guess, going from Europe over to America for a quick pit stop Miami, back to Spain. <laughs> yeah, uh, mm, okay. I, I don't know why they've done that. I'm sure there's some fantastic reason, which we will never know why they've done that but yeah so that's that's an interesting one and i'm sure we'll discuss whether or not we like the idea of miami soon and weird to start in bahrain and not australia i i, I know that this time this season we, we started off there but it doesn't detract from the fact that i i'm used to australia being the first race in the season i really like that but i guess we're actually having an australian grand prix unlike china which i'm so sad to to miss because I I love the Chinese Grand Prix. I think the track is fantastic, especially that opening sort of corner um, that sweeps right and then tightens and goes back left again. Um, that That's one of my favourite tracks, so I'm a bit sad about that. But it's nice to see some tracks like um, Suzuka being back on the calendar because we missed that from this year. I was really gutted to see that not there. So it's, as I say, packed to the rafters in 2022, and it's going to be... Ooh, uh, quite difficult to to keep up i think with the amount of dates 
and tracks we're going to. I completely agree. I'm particularly excited about um, Imola, personally. Um, I love the fact that that's there, again. Um, but the fact that we've got two in Italy is a dream. Um, and obviously all the classics, the fact that there's a good number of the classics on there as well. We've had our arguments a time after time on this podcast about the classics versus the whether they've been used too many times, etc. But I'm happy to see there's a nice mix of, of dates on there. Um, obviously, as we covered uh, previously, there's some that I'm less joyed about than less happy about than others but I think um for me as I mentioned previously when we talked about the triple header coming up this year it is long like we talked about the triple header being difficult for the people working in F1 and once again (laughs) this calendar is gonna be tough on them and obviously I understand that this is a job that people choose and they don't have to do it but um any person no matter how much they love their job it's uh it's a very grueling schedule um especially when you're not a driver or team principal who can rock up on the on the thursday um so yeah i think it's from a fan point of view yeah i'm really excited about it there's a good amount of tracks on there some really um nice ones that we're happy to see i think as you mentioned Tristan as well they do jump about a bit I understand that there is logistical reasons for that but if you are looking at this full transformation they're trying to make to be more sustainable the the transport the flights between these locations do not make sense logistically if you're trying to reduce your carbon footprint footprint but yes as a fan if we get a season like we have this this year getting to see that spread over that 23 race calendar is absolutely brilliant and um I'm excited. I'm really excited. But yeah, just shout out to the team members that are probably <laughs> a little bit disappointed with how much they're going to be away from home and the, the lack of breaks they're going to have. Yeah, if we're talking from a fan's perspective, I think there's a lot of pros. I think the pros being the classics that we're all used to, that we're all familiar with, ones like Suzuka, Albert Park, um, Montreal, Canada is Singapore. They're all back. Um, other pros, the, it's the last year of Sochi before it moves to the equally uninspiring Igora Drive in 2023. <laughs> it's also, it's also there's no Qatar. Admittedly, again, it returns in 2023. But there's no Qatar, which is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, Imola's staying, definitely a good thing. Yeah, and it, it just looks like a more normal calendar as opposed to the what was pieced together in 2020, which admittedly was like more than we ever expected, probably at the start of that year. Um and yeah, it just looks like a very, very good all-rounded calendar. It obviously, from a team member's perspective, it is, it is very tricky because obviously there's a lot of races they have to go to, a lot of travelling. Like, like you said, Tristan, going from Italy to Miami to Spain within a month doesn't seem very carbon, like a, a very carbon neutral or whatever they're trying to promote. Neither does going from Azerbaijan to Montreal to Silverstone. Or something like going from Brazil to Abu Dhabi in the space of a week. But, I mean, I guess they have contracts and everything where they have to host the races on sometimes on certain dates. Um, but from a fan's perspective, awesome calendar. Growing up, when I first started watching F1, the like the calendar that year, those years, like 2007, 8, 9, was 17 to 18 races. And they were talking about, oh, imagine if we could have 20 races. Um, and now they've got 23. Undoubtedly, there'll be more in the future, I think. I think it's inevitable that it goes up to 25. Mm. There's probably going to be a Grand Prix, I'd say, in Africa, maybe in the not-too-distant not future. That I mean, that, that would that would tick off. I mean, bar Antarctica, that would tick off all the continents um, having a Grand Prix. Uh, the, who knows, maybe an Antarctic Grand Prix in the future, but I doubt it. But um, But yeah, in terms of, like, ticking boxes in terms of like 
for, for for fans and also for commercial perspectives for F1. Um, it's a good candidate. It also gives them more opportunities to insert these silly little sprint races. But um, yeah, anyway, that's just uh, yeah, that's, that's just my personal view on it. But overall, I mean, in terms of calendar, in terms of the races on it, it definitely looks like a more familiar calendar and also lots of like good races. The classics are back and yeah, lots to look forward to. Yeah, I'm pretty impressed with this calendar as well. I think it's so nice to see so much uh, racing going on next season, and especially after 2020 when there was only 17. But I'm looking through the calendar here and there are sort of two race weekends back to back which look pretty uninspiring. I don't want to point fingers or anything, but Spain and then Monaco? All I'm saying is Miami better <laughs> absolutely slap because that's going to be a dull month or so. <laughs> and then going on to sort of July, you've got um, Silverstone, who we're pretty sort of you know ambivalent about. Austria, big tick there. But then France and Hungary, oh that could be um, that could be tiresome. And then going over to sort of the end of the season, I'm pretty happy with that because you've got a, a good combination of let's say uh, Suzuka. You've got the US and there, Mexico spiced up with Brazil. Um, I think that's pretty good, and I'm quite sort of interested to see as well in what sort of different lights um, Australia is going to be viewed when it comes from a fan's perspective and a team's perspective now it's sort of third in the race because it was always viewed as the sort of uh, curtain raiser if you will of the season and now it's got a different role it'll be interesting to see sort of how teams tackle this if it's sort of viewed differently considering we'll have more of a understanding and a glimpse of what's to come in terms of the pecking order of drivers and teams instead of it just being like oh this is the first time we're going to see race action in the season so I'm pretty happy and nice to see there's so much racing involved but I do of course sympathize with those who are involved in Formula One it's a a lot of zipping around to put it plainly as we've said but um, yeah so good to see a very full calendar back it is I have a I have a question for you though because one one of the 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 new fixtures if you'd like is the second Italian Grand Prix which is great it's great that we're going to to Imola again um but one of the things i think the pandemic demonstrated is we could have these kind of wild card tracks that would spice up the season a bit by providing teams with an opportunity to shine when they might not have well there's so much data now for each track that teams just effectively know what's going to happen even when they before they get there or, or you know with without something dramatic occurring so i was wondering whether or not you think actually like me it's a bit of a shame that we don't have this opportunity to have like a wild card or or an opportunity to try different ones a slot in the season where you'd be like well actually oh you know the the eighth eighth race in might be Imola but it could also be one of the other tracks that we we tested we could go back to the Nürburgring for example um well personally I I love uh, Italy races and I love him in particular because I have um, family that live about 10 miles away from it so I'm quite excited about it and I do think as well that um, while I get your point I think that it's because it's it hasn't been on the calendar for a while and it has yes we've been there once but I don't think it's gonna they're gonna have the same amount of data for it than they are a lot of the other tracks and so they might know it in certain conditions but there's still a lot of unlike um unknowns um for Imola and personally I think it's an exciting it's an exciting track to go to and yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that it's there I just wanted to pick up as well before everyone else answers this question that I totally um agree with with Tom's sort of thoughts on 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 Australia because for me 
I've always thought when I've heard, you know, when I've thought about the Melbourne race, I've thought about Australia, I think, oh, love, 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 love. But now I think about it, it's probably because it was the first race and that was what I was so excited about. There was a magic about, just remember the excitement, the sort of when... Yeah, you see the drivers arriving for the first time, okay, and like they're in their new. If they've changed teams, they're in a new kit, you know, and they're arriving into the paddock and they've had the summer off, the summer off, sorry, um, the winter off, and yeah, it's there's something exciting about Melbourne, but is it because it that's what the race was, and it'll be interesting to see what it's like as just a, any old normal track, um, because in recent years, as you say, it has been that sort of exciting spark that start start to the season. But anyway, um, returning to Tristan's question, <laughs> um. I think we're okay for another year at Imola. Yeah, I'd say, I think if, with the Imola point, I'd say it worked again this year because it rained. It'll be interesting to see next year if it works, if it's dry. And I guess it's positions fourth race of the season, gives it more of a, a wild card element. Um, and I guess you also have that with Miami. With the, I mean, whenever you, have a, whenever you have a new circuit in there, that always throws in an element of the wild card. Um but I think with like contract, I know it, I know last year, 2020, there was like more flexibility so they could go to the Nürburgring two months before and say, do you fancy hosting a race because we want to get up to the magic number of 17 or whatever it was. Um, but I think they've got enough races now just to like sort of set a calendar in stone. The teams want that certainty. Um, whilst they would love to pick out uh, one of the sort of the circuits which can host a race and go, right, maybe you'll be hosting a race mid-season. Um, I think like having a calendar set in stone suits the teams more um and you do still have like like Imola's quite new to the calendar you've got Jeddah which will be it's his second race next year uh Miami will be his first race and then also to be fair you'll have a couple of circuits like we haven't been to um Suzuka or Albert Park or Singapore since 2019 so that's I mean yes they're familiar tracks but it's been a couple of years like things can change we saw the difference that it made when they went back to Turkey after a few years and how different that was. Um, so, yeah, I think there's probably enough wild card factors in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose while the calendar is set in stone insofar that, you know, we're going on the provision that there's no sort of COVID outbreak, there's no need for restrictions, everything's fine. But um, I don't want to be the sort of pessimist of the group, but the reality of the situation is that we could see one or two of these drop off owing to uh, COVID reasons, which I suppose... I suppose it depends how much flexibility the FIA have, but it could result in a wild card of sorts if you're having a slight rejigging of the calendar or one um, circuit drops off and there's a double header, let's say, at Austria, as there has been. And this is all, you know, uh, pipe dream, shall we say, and the logistics of this I have no idea about. But I think there is still a bit of uncertainty moving forwards, I believe, when it comes to this calendar because it's so international. As Angus said, we're pretty much nearly on every continent by too so i think there is some uncertainty so while there's no official wild card of sorts i do believe there could be some flexibility in where we go and um how many times we go to different circuits for for good or for bad so which third then do you think they're going to pick for well it, you might say the dreaded sprint races <laughs> which tracks on there do you look at them and go a oh, sprint race really Mm, because I th- I think the Red Bull circuit is going to be actually one of the perhaps one of the better tracks for it because Agreed. it's so short. Um, but I'm looking at at the UK again and thinking, oh Monaco definitely not. 
Barcelona. Mm. I can think of nothing worse than another race at that track. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry as well. Hungry as well. You can't overtake there. Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. Singapore. Uh, I'm not a fan of that one as a sort of sprint race. Uh, Abu Dhabi as well. Surely not. Surely not. They will give it to Jeddah just because it would fit perfectly with the whole um, sort of. They'll give it to some of the new tracks, I think, like a new sprint, a new sprint race at Jeddah or a sprint race at Miami. Um, just sort of be like, oh, here's this new concept, this new track, and this brave new world. If you extend the metaphor, the more you want. Um, Silverstone, probably again. I hope it's not at Silverstone again. It will be there, I reckon. Yeah, because that was the first. That was the, the the first one last year, the grand opening. So that'll be there again. Emperor Max. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Monza probably not because we all we all agree that was a bit of a shambles. The Monza one. That was really boring. I'm intrigued to see if Interlagos... I mean, yes, I, like, I say the sprint is a rubbish concept. I'm not a fan of it. But Interlagos historically produces great racing. So if it's a success, success this year, you'd have to say that would be a shoe-in. Well, will it be every th- third race? Because No, I don't think it'll be as exact as that. That's a shame. I, I mean, I don't know. That's I just think that the, it's, it's F1, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be yeah. simple. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> if you look at the way they're jumping around, I think it will be the tracks. I do think as well, making your point about the new circuits, some may have requested the sprint race. Some may, it may be part of certain mm. deals for certain tracks, for certain sponsors mm. need it to be at certain tracks. So I don't I don't think it's, personally, I don't think it's going to be as simple as remembering it's every th- every every third one which obviously would be ideal for people having to like work in the industry and us having to mm. do our podcast about it is just remembering oh it's the third one so it must be that yeah it won't i'm i'm almost convinced it won't be as simple as that <laughs> it will be the ones that bid for it or those who really don't want it and certain sponsors and blah 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 um but i agree on the ones we've discussed as not not having them they may do it at Zandvoort, you know, because it would work so well at Silverstone in a way because of the intensity of the battle because it was Lewis's home track. So throw it the other way. And could you have a sprint race at Max's home track, perhaps? Um, but, I mean, I would choose to have it at none, but we're not doing this discussion again. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. When, when looking down the F1 schedule, I was expecting to see a little marker next to the ones that we're going to have a sprint race at. And actually, there isn't them on there. But... I think the reason is because we haven't had Brazil yet. We haven't had that that third sprint race, so it it kind of I feel like we're in a weird place with the the upcoming season in terms of the sprint races because this is something that they've said they're going to do in in a sprint race at a third of them, but we still haven't finished the final test of sprint races yet. So does that mean the FIA have decided that two tests was enough? The last one's just going to solidify their you know. Oh, uh, omnipotent judgment to us all there you go here it is we, we are having it anyway ta-da oh no brazil was rubbish but you know the other two were fine <laughs> and um are they gonna have to update this later on and and let us all know when when the sprint race is coming into the the, the season because to me it seems pretty pointless to have the, the sprint races maybe at the end of the season like abu dhabi because the points don't really mean anything by that point unless there's a title championship of course you know that's me predicting here that it's gonna <laughs> the next season is gonna be boring and, and in terms of the title championship. But it just seems to me like they 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 have decided it's gonna go ahead and haven't actually told us yet where when or or where. See, if I was a betting man, I'd say actually they probably haven't decided. I think yeah. drawing up this calendar, 
bit, 23 races, zipping all over the place to sort of get different tracks in. I think this is very much just the start of the sort of press release machine we'll see from the FIA moving forwards. I think they're like, okay, calendar's done. We know we're going to X circuit on X date. Fantastic. Let's all just have a have a lie down and a breathe after that. And um, we'll, we'll get going in terms of sprint qualifying. I mean, we all know that it's going to be taking place. I just think... As I've said, there's probably some elements of contracts which say, you know, we will have a sprint qualifying or we would certainly like it. And there's probably those that go, uh, we'd kind of like to avoid it if possible. Hopefully that's Monaco. Um, but I, I think it's yet to be decided. But hey, hey, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, can I quickly say, actually? You can. Just before we move on from the calendar. Um, it's worth noting, obviously, at the same time as releasing that, they also released the F2 and F3 calendars, um, which are looking pretty good. But it's also it's worth remembering that this year they've changed back from their their previous um, the 2021 plan, which was this year they did F2 and F3 races on different race weekends and really spread apart. Um, and it people found it frustrating that they would watch an F2 race and then seven weeks later or five months later, what it felt like, they would watch the next one. They've put the mm. F2 and F3 races back together on the same weekend now. And that will mm. be at uh, Bahrain and then all of the European ones, pretty much. Uh, only Paul Ricard is a European one without F2 and F3, but pretty much every other one Lucky them. in Europe yeah, is got... <laughs> no, I'm excited about the F2 and F3. Um, every um, other Europe race has those rounds, So, but it's just probably worth worth noting, listeners, that yeah, they've put them back again together, which I think is nice for the fans, it's nice for the drivers, and it means they don't have to wait a million years between, between each one, and they're a little bit more compact. So look out for F3 and F2 next year. I feel like, guys, perhaps nearer the, uh, nearer the time, we could do a little preview of the f2 and f3 and drivers to watch um but for now their calendar has also been released so that's good it's good actually i think f2 yeah. and f3 needs a bit more love in the uh in the community a bit and i thought it was so stupid when they did this weird split with the two uh mm-hmm. you know, junior formulas because they are well they're i mean i do watch the f2 races i, I watch less of the f3 because it's just that point it's too much time commitment <laughs> it's just so long <laughs> um to, to keep up with everything however the F2 races produce some 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 great moments and are very entertaining. And it's really irritating that they kind of set the, the other two uh, formulas so out of sync with everything else that's been going on from, you know, in, in the formulas, if you'd like. Um, and and I, well, it just seems to me like they just need to realign it and make sure there's some coherency between F3, F2 and F1. Because that, to mm. me, means they're going to build up a bigger audience base because otherwise if you're an yeah. f1 fan you've got to be coping now with right what date we are what track we are oh is there sprint races where's f2 f2's there f3 oh f3's not on this week okay that's because that oh come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I've got to agree. I've I've watched the highlights of F2 and F3 this year. Only the highlights, but it looks class, honestly. Oh yeah, it's very, it's, uh, honestly, it's more yeah. competitive because it ha- they all have similar cars. Like, there's only so much yeah. they can change in the setup that will affect the racing. And obviously, some teams have better cars than others. Like that's just how motor racing works, and it, that's the case all the way down to Genetta's and and Formula Four. But um, it it does mean that compared to the F1, it's so much closer, and you're going to see generally you're going to see the top drivers at the top and you're going to see people in there who mainly generally deserve to be there obviously it still has the issue with um mm-hmm. with funding that and um 
it, you know, it's I, I've heard that F2 and F3 are, are even more expensive this year than they've ever been before coming up into the new season. So again, very unfair, but a whole different topic. But yeah, watch it for competitive racing, absolutely, because these are kids yeah. of like 18, 19 years old, like before F1 at that, like fighting for that F1 seat with their lives, with amazing racing and cars that are very similar. I've become invested enough to know that I dislike Dan Tictum quite a bit. And also, I'm fuming that Guan Yu Zhou is going to get the Alfa Romeo seat ahead of Oscar Piastri, who is one Good, F2 I agree F3. with that one. I agree only, with that one. Only, I think only George Russell and Charles Leclerc and possibly Oscar Piastri have both won F2 yeah. and F3 in back-to-back years. Back-to-back. It was incredible. And, mm. Yeah, but this is the yeah, thing. It's about money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Piastri is nowhere near that seat because he's not rich. Piastri, yeah. I mean, Piastri's got a massive lead over Zhou, but... At the end of the day, it's the money money that talks. But then there's the there's the rumours at the moment that Andretti family are going to be buying Alfa Romeo, and, and yes, and so I mean, to be honest, with Colton Herter, we're not totally sure that is going to be Joe that 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 takes no. their seat, um, or or rather in in the long term perhaps. But if it's Alfa Romeo, it looks pretty likely at the moment that's going to be joe mm-hmm. because he's coming in with tens of millions of euros worth of, of funding behind him by 30 million and there's a if you listen back to a podcast a couple of weeks ago you will know how we how we spoke about that but it it is unfair because piastri is clearly you know better mm, uh, in, in, yeah. in you know in terms of apples apples racing formula two and but you know that's formula one we've had pay to drivers since the beginning and unfortunately Piastri's mm. time just might not be an Alfa Romeo and with the uncertainty around Alfa Romeo and their uncompetitive car perhaps there'll be a better opportunity in, in the future his only hope is that well he's Alpine junior driver isn't he so but he's but he's got he's got a um a Spanish two-time world champion and Esteban Ocon in his way so um, unless one of them yeah severely underperforms or or retires they got Ocon down on a long-term contract as well so yeah so yes, we are going back to Austin, Texas, the United States Grand Prix 2021. You'll remember if you're listening to our podcast this time last year, roughly, or indeed following Formula One, that the 2020 Grand Prix, when it came to the US, was indeed cancelled owing to COVID-19. So if we have any idea about how 2021 is going to look, we'll have to go all the way back to 2019, where one Veltri Bottas got himself a win not only on Saturday but Sunday as well. Lewis Hamilton in second, Verstappen in third, Leclerc in fourth and a little-known Alex Albon in fifth with DNFs for Vettel and Robert Kubica. So what are we expecting from the Grand Prix in the US and who do we think needs to do well? I would say I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously it's going to be interesting with regard to Lewis and Max and I think that's kind of an, an obvious one and you know Mercedes have done okay I think it's a pretty much a Mercedes kind of track but obviously Verstappen's in the lead right now so he's got the momentum um, so for them obviously it'll be interesting but looking aside from the championship battle I would say it's going to be interesting to look at Ferrari and McLaren because well, we spoke about this previously it's it's very very close between them right now it's really close and you know lando had lando and daniel had their one two and you know lando lando's had his some amazing podiums you know charles is is, is recent races back started climbing back up again and obviously carlos put on a brilliant brilliant uh display when he was last to um eighth so you know it could have been better without the pit stop but i think um 
yeah, they're, both of those teams are going to be fighting now because for that third place in the construct um, in the constructors championship, and for Lando and for Carlos and and for Charles actually for places in the drivers as well. So um, for me, that's the, the battle I'm going to be watching watching the most. And you'll have to enlighten me. I can't quite recall whether this track has been better for any of those two teams in particular in previous in previous years but i i seem to recall i feel like daniel ricardo would like america i just know i just feel like you like america as the place more than anything i know he lives there um so maybe it's feel almost like a home a home grand prix for him in some ways just like of course it will be a home grand prix for Haas. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah for me it's ferrari mclaren what about you guys I'm not going to lie. I think this is the first year in so long that we've actually had a championship battle between two drivers of two teams. So in previous years, I would also be thinking, like last year, for example, when the championship was like super dead like early on, we were thinking, like, oh, the battle for third is really tight. And it was, and it was great. And it was lots of fun to, to keep track of between Racing Point, Renault, McLaren. But this year we have two like giants of the sport. It feels weird calling Verstappen a giant of the sport, but like... He has enough pedigree, I think, to sort of justify that tag. Um, I like just like the championship battle's been such swinging left to right the whole like the whole year. It hasn't been. I heard like since Silverstone, which was race ten, and we're now in like race sixteen, I think. Or well, this would be race seventeen. There has never been more than an eight point gap between Verstappen and Hamilton, but it's just gone back and forth. It's just been swinging like a pendulum. So, like the championship battle for me is just intriguing, and the fact that. Mercedes seem to have got the initiative back again. Their car's somehow faster again. Hamilton has won at Austin five times out of the eight races held. That I mean, that that could for me that holds something because yes, that was a, in a dominant Mercedes a lot of the time. But he like clearly likes the track, um, goes well at it. I think Verstappen kept, came on the podium from the pit lane a couple of years ago as well, um, if my memory serves me right. Um, so you've got two drivers that really enjoy and like this track. Um, but I think my gut would say Mercedes if you asked me to say who I thought would like be stronger at this track just because of like their past history at it. But again, who knows? I mean, there's no engine penalties this weekend, so you should have most likely Hamilton and Verstappen on the front row, and you'd think those two out the front. Uh, that's now going to be that prediction is now going to be torn apart by what actually happens. But um, you think this two would have like a chance to fight each other, and yeah, for me that's what's um, capturing my interest, um, as well, of course, as to see if Haas can get out of Q1 in their home race, deliver a big, big performance for the hundreds of thousands of Americans coming to cheer cheer them on. Um, but yeah, the championship <laughs> battles definitely got my uh, attention this weekend. Yeah, but looking at the the forecast first of all, it, it looks like there's a actually relatively high chance of rain, which means it won't yeah. rain anymore. Ooh, Sorry about that. But yeah. it would be nice if we <laughs> if we saw some rain. Can't remember the last time I I saw a, a wet uh, U.S. Grand Prix or qualifying for that matter. So fingers crossed yeah. that something interesting happens there. I I don't have much hope for the the U.S. Grand Prix. I I do you know what? I don't really remember all that much about them. No, no Grand U.S. Grand Prix sort of sticks in my mind has been particularly exhilarating um i, I think it's, i'm sorry about that <laughs> well <laughs> I, I sort of see it going mercedes way historically they are they are relatively um competent there i i hope at least um it's a bottas win rather than um hamilton because i don't know it was really nice to see bottas do well in in turkey and because he's done well there before 
it sort of demonstrates he can you know do that do well there again you know it's it's so weird actually that we're going to this u.s grand prix without lewis hamilton having the possibility of wrapping it up because it was there as mm. you say in um in, well in 2019 where hamilton wrapped up the the his sixth world championship it's it's so strange that last week's was turkey where he got his seventh um and so we're going through these races and and it's you know tight hamilton versus mustapen ah um it's tight between sorry mustapen i see a big you know like a pedo mustache <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it's it's you know, th- there's this big fight now between max and lewis and it, we have no idea which way it's going to go so you say it's really tight between them i would like to see them having some sort of fight but i don't want either of them to win i kind of want someone else like bottas to win a bit just to just to keep his championship dream alive um technically he can still win it so uh that that would be fantastic we are at this point on bottas 5.0 generation 5 bottas um (laughs) super bottas so it'd be great if he could pull something out of the bag and, and just really deliver because look at the end of the day the man has nothing left to lose and in, in beating Hamilton and Verstappen, it puts those two closer and closer together. And I'm in it for a final battle at the end of the season. Look, Abu Dhabi has been the biggest letdown, well, since since the track was added to the season, uh, to the calendar. They've just redone the track. I would love nothing more than Abu Dhabi to have to be reinvigorated with this new track design and to have a proper championship fight at the end. So yes, going into the season this this weekend, I think if it's if it's damp, that'd be great. It's going to throw everything, um, every possibility outwards. So I'm not even going to try and guess that one. But maybe, please, Mercedes Bottas win. If not, it might well be a Hamilton win. But that's okay because it just keeps the uh, pendulum, as you say, swinging from side to side. Absolutely. And while everyone's eyes are going to be on uh, Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, mine are kind of on that and kind of on a different battle looking more at the constructors. So if my calculations are correct, there's a cool 37 points currently between Mercedes and Red Bull. So it's not all about Hamilton and Verstappen in terms of the points for the team. It's about their teammates as well. So we've just come away from the last Grand Prix with Bottas winning in Sochi. We've just come away as well from Perez finishing in third place. Now, for me, it's going to be a clear indicator as to which way the constructors is going as to where these two finish. Because Bottas is coming off a high, yes. But last time Perez was here, he was in 10th place. That's one point. So the question comes again, as we were saying last episode... Will Perez be able to pick up a good result, take it forward in the name of consistency and do very well for Red Bull? Because as I said at the start of this whole segment, Albon finished fifth. And if Albon can finish fifth in the 2019 Red Bull racing car, then surely Perez can do similar. So, um, yes, my eyes is very much on the uh, constructors as well as the uh, sort of single seat uh, championship when it comes to drivers. Because I think really the second drivers are the key as to where this is going to go in the last few races. Because the gap is, yes, 30 plus points, but it only takes a DNF here or there and a one-two finish from one team to really wrap it up or to really put it beyond doubt. So um, eyes on them, I think, for me. Tristan, with your mention of Mustapen um, with his funny moustache, um, I was just <laughs> I was just looking on Mercedes's page um, and they've posted a United States Grand Prix bingo card 
<laughs> and one of them is that a driver sports a handlebar moustache. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what. Just out of interest, I'm going to read you some of the other fun things on here, just to a fun way to Go wrap on. up the episode. One of them is Danny Rick does an American accent. That's absolutely guaranteed. Mm. I mean, let's face it. Um, uh, a team on social says howdy. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. Or like America or something like that. America. And <laughs> um, Mercedes mentions 2019. F1. Insta <laughs> mentions when Nico threw that cap. <laughs> I love that when he's yeah, like throwing it yeah. across the um thing even after the race when they've been weighed. Someone wears a cowboy hat. Yep. Someone takes a yep. selfie from the top of the Kota Tower. Mm-hmm. Cheerleaders. Yep. Yeah. Some amazing. Well, it's an amazing rendition of the national national anthem. I'm going to say weird. Did <laughs> they do one year where they did? They had these children singing it. <laughs> I had to like mute it. I, I cannot <laughs> listen to a to the stars spangled banner be sung out of tune <laughs> and out of time by a bunch yeah. of american children i'm sorry yeah. if you're american but your national anthem is sickly sweet at best no. why don't you all have a depressing <laughs> anthem God. like the rest of us right <laughs> redo uh, it hey i'm gonna stick i'll stick it stick up the children here they're probably nervous Aww. and trying their best everybody have a great time <laughs> And so ends episode 26 of F1M Review. Thank you very much, dear listener, from wherever you're listening to this episode, for listening all the way to the end, where we look back at the sort of announcements of the 2022 calendar, and indeed back to 2019, when the last US Grand Prix took place. But we're now looking forwards to this weekend, where the United States Grand Prix will return, and indeed it's going to be a huge battle between Mercedes, Red Bull, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, and according to Liv, Ferrari and McLaren. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Make me sound like I'm really stupid. According to Liv, <laughs> the moron. <laughs> Listen, you've always got to cite your sources, you know. <laughs>